Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. You can get 10% discount on your legal fees with the Levi Solicitors at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello, Michael Normanton's with me. Hello. As is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you fancy listening to all our podcasts ad free, and that includes the Extra Ball, all the subscriber podcasts. You will also get a daily email and a full digital subscription to the magazine with TSB Plus and you all-in-one subscription package. If you fancy that, thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Well, this is a novelty. We've convened on a Sunday to record this week's podcast because Leeds are playing on Tuesday against Newcastle. But why have we specifically got together on a weekend? Surely Leeds United should be playing. No, no, it's FA Cup fourth round weekend. Ah, the January uh, national holiday, well, national holiday, the Leeds holiday. The Shit, Leeds isn't holiday. It? Shit, isn't it? It is, but you know, we can get this done, get home in time for Antiques Roadshow, Songs of Praise, Last of the Summer Wine. That was always Sunday night, wasn't it? The lights are on at Elland Road, though. The floodlights are up as if, almost as if there is a game going on, but they're keeping it from us. Maybe they're using the new floodlights to dry out or bed in the new pitch. Oh, they haven't put it down yet, have they? They'll still be taking up the old one, I think, from the... The schedule, but yeah, I, I reckon they're working round the clock and other cliches to get that done. They may be using their lumens to dry out the soil because the soil is, is wet. And that's my official position on this. That we've got wet soil. Yep. Assess the pitch. Wet. Soggy. <laughs> soggy. Soggy soil. It has been shit. And that has been the big news, actually. So let's get into that one um, straight away. A £300,000 pitch from Tottenham Hotspur. Decent signing. Will there be a buyback clause involved in that? It blows my mind slightly that Spurs had a spare pitch that we can buy. Most clubs just have one, don't they? I think that the top clubs will obviously have pitches in reserve, won't they? particularly because Tottenham switched theirs in and out. As we, we spoke about the uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the last couple of weeks, didn't we, saying they've got a gridiron pitch that lives underneath the grass pitch and they swap them out when uh, when the, the Yankees are in town? They've not had to use it, though, have they? Because the Yankees couldn't come due to COVID. So they've been growing this thing near Pat Bamford's house. And in the end, they don't need it. So we'll have it. Which does make me wonder why Pat Bamford couldn't just have grown us a pitch. I assume he's sorted his mould trouble out. He's got the land. Grow us a pitch. Save us 300 grand. Where's it actually come from then? You said near Pat Bamford's house. As in, where is that? Nottinghamshire. Or that's the Midlands. It's not from London. That's the thing. Although Spurs own it, it was being grown for them by the company that's installing it. And they have loads of land in the uh, the various shires that, that the, the Bamford family dominate. And so it was growing there, and instead of it being laid down at uh, the new Tottenham Stadium when they need it, it's coming to ours. And I'm looking forward to maybe this time next year when Daniel Levi is doing his nut with Jose Mourinho. Like, we fucking, why did we sell them that pitch? We're, 
they're playing in a mud bath here and having to sort of scrape the uh, the gridiron off the thing they've got to try and find some grass beneath it. I've got a genuine question. How do you move a pitch that is, what, 105, 106 yards by 70-odd yards? That's that's quite a big thing. I, t- I take it that gets moved not as a single entity, because that would look pretty good going up and down the uh, the M1, wouldn't it, on the back of a lorry, a full-size football pitch. Does it move in sections? I actually don't know. I mean, in B&Q, you buy it in rolls, don't you? Well, I'll say this. Grass starts off, don't know if you've heard, starts off life as a seed. Mm-hmm. So they could just move the seeds. That'd be a lot easier. Yeah, I think it's draw to grow. Birds would get it. Ah, yeah, of course, yeah. I feel relieved it's not a Cockney pitch anyway. That is good news. Yeah, it was pointed out by one um, wag on Twitter, I think it was. Uh, wag in the sense of somebody who's funny, not a wife and or girlfriend of, of a footballer, that um, we haven't won in London for however long is it now? 25, 26 years? And they're getting us a pitch from London. That would have been good for an end of season knees up. The Cockney knees up. Ah, yeah. Well, would have been a, a classic way to end the season. Ellen Road full again. Everyone nicely, all nicely vaccinated. Chaz and Dave getting... Exactly, on the, on the old Joanna yeah. in the centre circle. It could be a right trouble for anyone who's got, um, what do you call it, hay fever though. Imagine that, you get over COVID, you're, in that, you're allowed back into Welland Road and all that fresh grass sends everybody's histamines through the roof. I mean, I'm glad we've got this pitch though because I was a bit worried about the last one. The I mean, existing one wasn't looking good. It was looking unhealthy and not conducive to good football. Bielsa ball being played on it. I mean, there was that clip going round. I don't even know who it was meant to be that was speaking, but it was kind of did the rounds on various things of someone saying that Bielsa had apparently said we weren't going to win another game on it this season and we'd have to play long ball football because the pitch was not worth having and that kind of thing. And if Bielsa wants a new pitch, a new pitch can be found. It's going to be down for 10 games. We've got 10 home games left, haven't we, this season. 30 grand a game, that pitch is costing. Kiko Casilla. Fair point. But also, you get about 2 million quid for every place up the table you get so if it does win us enough points to move up one place it's paid for itself six What's, times six and a bit times six over six and yeah. a bit times over I, I knew you. I knew you were leading up to that <laughs> so I started doing the calculation for you in my head because I'm good like that but it was obviously hampering what we were trying to do we did ask the question didn't we of uh, over the last week or two what impact has it had on our ability to play and we quite rightly it was pointed out that Brighton played on the same pitch and beat us and seemed to handle the conditions better but it feels like we need something better than we had and you do actually want a bit of home advantage, don't you? I know there aren't fans in there, but it does feel like you still get a slight benefit from not having to travel and being familiar with the surroundings and stuff like that. And if that's all being taken away because you're playing on a what looked to be cutting up like a park pitch the other day, you lose all that, don't you? And uh, Matches Click greeted it on his Instagram story. He reposted the, the screenshot of the news with a sort of a high 10 emoji. Th- I think he's looking forward to being just as crap as he was, but on proper, <laughs> proper grass <laughs> oh, from now on. The worm has turned. But it did make me think there is, uh, it's in that sort of hinterland between you don't want to blame it for things, but it is actually a problem. So getting it fixed, um, that was always the, the problem is it need it still needs in the summer this proper full-on fixing, but they can't do that now. So next best thing, at least have some grass there for a while. The thing is, Bielsa hasn't blamed this publicly, but I'm sure it is an issue. And it's to his credit that he hasn't just gone on about it in the way probably 90% of football managers would that have been like, well, what can we do? How are we expected to win? But other teams keep winning on it. Well, yeah. But well, it's good that he's it's not, not fair ch- for us. He didn't chuck anybody under the bus publicly. He just did it behind closed doors, which is, is to his internal credit. Well, that's this is the way he does things, isn't it? He, he'll be, I genuinely think he probably will be down there looking at it 
as they're putting it in and supervising elements of it because that's kind of if it's not absolutely set square straight in the corners he'll be reporting himself to the police because he's booted someone who's not been sticking the fork in the right place or something but um it's good to know that what he's still being listened to enough that he wants a new pitch he just gets a new pitch like your implication he's still just about being listened to at leads that you know, Victor Rother isn't wandering around going like, la, 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 yeah, bored of you now, Bielsa. Had enough. There will be a point, though, where <laughs> three, he... Three, three, one, three, whatever. He's like, say if you bought the wrong candles or something, and they'll just go, no, look, that's not your job. Just shut up. Which it, um, which part of the football stadium is going to be having candles in it? Corporate hospitality. The nice t- centre table things. I ben, don't know. Ben White's executive box when he's got his Spotify playlist on the go. It's from... Um, Near Leicester Forest East is the nearest uh, motorway services to where this has come from. The nearest uh, railway station is Narborough, and you can tell it's the Midlands because all the, the villages around it have got funny names. Where we're Ashby Magna, it's not a proper name for a place, is it? And Dunton Bassett, that's a dog. So it's from that weird bit around Leicester that um, people from outside Leicester don't really understand. Countess Thorpe with one S, so it's not even like a Thorpe for countesses. It's like Count as Thorpe. I feel like we've gone a little bit off message. Well, I was asked where it was from, mm. and there's a big long lane called Hospital Lane with no sign of a hospital at either end of it, just fields and the sewage works. I did have a vision. It has a car park. I had a vision of it being grown, this new pitch, on the roof of Leicester Forest East. You know the big restaurant that straddles the two carriageways? I don't know it that well, to be honest. If you're not, Leicester Forest East, that, that used to be one of the best restaurants in the country because when people first got cars, it was a massive novelty, and uh, they used to drive there. It was a destination restaurant. They used to drive to it so they could eat there over the motorway. I mean, now it's got KFC, McDonald's in it, and your standard overpriced buffet. But um, back in the 1950s or 60s, it was the place to go. At the end of Hospital Lane is the Leicester Ancient Order of Foresters. So if they've been involved, unless it's the Ancient Order of Jamie Foresters. Oh, it cut off. Right, it's the Leicester Ancient Order of Foresters Archery Club ground. It's just a fucking weird place, the Midlands, isn't it? <laughs> if you do play archery, like, please don't bang a arrow into my face. It's a noble pastime. Blaby. Imagine right, living in a place called you, you just, you're Blaby. List, you're listing places in the Midlands well, now. There's no football on, is there? There's so. not. Um, let's talk about our pitch, though, and the fact that there's been, a, not a bit of misunderstanding, but people are saying, well, why couldn't they have done this in the summer? It doesn't take that long to relay a pitch, as this proves, but... That's not the problem, is it? If you are to understand what Phil Hay has been delving into recently, which is that the drainage system is 25 years old, and even then it doesn't seem to have been put in very well for Euro 96. It's not like refurbing a house. We need to do the full smash it down and build it again. It's essentially digging into the foundations, isn't it? There's gravel and stuff under pitches, drainage things, heating things. I don't know about pictures, but there's loads of stuff that needs to go underneath them, and all the stuff under ours is old and did, shit. Did you see that even... Um, when was the last time we had a game postponed and it was because the pitch wouldn't drain? It was waterlogged, wasn't it? It was about 20-odd years ago. And that was because the public drains behind the south stand were backed up due to the weather, so therefore the pitch couldn't drain out of Ellen Road. Yeah, it was before this uh, shower of shit was installed. Um, so to its credit, we've actually never had a game called off since that thing went in. And it has, you know, it's kept going. We have managed to play football on it for all these years since, but it has been noticeable that every time we've tried to play football on it, this season, there has been biblical torrential rain, and I imagine that's the the worst time for it to happen because you can't put covers on it, and then because the players are playing on it, so it's <laughs> the two things are not compatible. So, whereas if you saw the rain come in, you know, on a Tuesday morning, you could do something about it. You could 
God, whereas I think all they've had to do is just stand and watch and maybe go out at half time with a fairly redundant fork. God, this is doing nothing. Do they it? cover the pitch when it rains? No, they don't. They, they cover the bits by the West Stand. That's what Phil said on the Phil Hay show last week, wasn't it? I know you don't listen to him and you hate him, but um, he said that just the bits near the West Stand, they put tarpaulin on it because the soil will not withstand water going into that. But for whatever reason, that corner of the pitch by the tunnel, the West Stand, has to be covered just to stop the water gathering in the soil. Where uh, Ellie the Elephant's buried. <laughs> if you ever do drive past Ellen Road, you might have seen... Um, there's like it looks like a massive set of rigging with the lamps on. Those are the lamps that they use on the pitch that give that heavenly glow out of Ellen Road. That looks like you know in um, what's the film with John Travolta and uh, Samuel L. Jackson when they open the briefcase. Pulp Fiction. That's the one. Pulp Fiction. They open the briefcase and it glows gold. Ellen Road looks like that when the heat lamps are on. So they've been trying to dry out the pitch as best they can, but it's evidently not working because, as Greta Thunberg will tell you, the planet's going to shit and it's raining loads. And there is a culverted um, beck underneath. We have the rights. To draw water from it through a well that is... Is that the Holbeck? Um, no, it's... Um, Eastern Beck? No. A different Beck? I think it's Farnley or something. John Howell, no. His book's not out for a while yet, by the way. I don't think I was supposed to tell anybody that it was coming soon. Um, <laughs> At least you've not mentioned it again anyway. No. <laughs> but, you know, I'm hyping him up. John the Hype, wow. It's going to be great. Yeah, his A to Z of Ellen Road that nobody's allowed to read until it comes out has all the details about the well. And until that book's released, I'm not going to say another word about the Ellen good, Road. The good thing is, because the book's not out and you won't be able to get it till it's out, it's not like people are going to be acquiring it as contraband, is it, or anything well, like that? Well, I mean, the first edition is out. It's being updated yeah. so it can come out again. So people may start photocopying Samizdat copies of, uh, of the first edition handed round. The black market. Yes. yes right. Okay. Or if some hackers are listening, they might try and... Get into John's computer for a sneak preview. <laughs> Is that an invitation to... Don't, no, don't, don't, don't hack John's computer. No. Back to the pitch. Are you in favour of that than having a good pitch? Uh, yes. Why? Because uh, it's better. <laughs> it's better to have good things, isn't it? Yep. I want a good pitch with good players on. Evidence. Why, why Evidence? That's who's playing on it first. Oh, okay. We're on it too, though, aren't we? We're not like... Yeah, the joke not... is that Everton might have better players. Like, oh, okay. I want a good pitch with good players on it. Well... You'll see some good players when Everton, Everton come yeah. and play on it. Ha ha. I got it, Moscow. <sighs> I know, honestly. He doesn't listen to Phil Hay. He doesn't get my jokes. I, I, I got this one very funny. Speaking of Phil Hay, do check out his Romario Vieira interview on The Athletic. Some good insight there into um, his journey. It's a journey, isn't it? Everyone goes on a journey these days. Like if you're on the X Factor, if you're trying to make it in football, it's a journey. Yeah, there's a lot in it about how he had a little sort of feeling that he was only at Leeds or people thought he was only at Leeds because of his brother. So it's probably a good job that we re-recorded your intro to this where you said it was an interview with Ronaldo Vieira. I think that's been the story of Romario's life. I think we should speak to Ray Wallace soon in Unrelated News. Stoke City legend. You can read all Phil's coverage of Leeds United on The Athletic. There's all the other football stuff on there and sports from around the UK, around the globe as well. And The Athletic can be yours for a pound a month at the minute if you head to theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Tell you what, I'd forgotten it was January and the window was open. That's how quiet it's been. Just ge- the market generally, I'm not talking just about Leeds, it's been um, surprisingly quiet. Everyone's a bit poor, aren't they? And also, it's not long since the last one because that ran quite late, didn't it? Into October or something. So they did everything they needed to do. And now uh, the ones that need to do things don't have enough money to do it. So nobody's doing anything. We heard from Rodrigo de Paul. He tweeted. Uh, and I thought this was very much a, a come and get me play for Leeds United. Uh, it says, Grinta e cuore, uh, hashtag Forza Udinese, and then white and then black. 
emojis in circles, which you might think on the surface of it is saying, I love Udinese and all that, we're great. Uh, Grinta e cuore means grit and heart. And I think he's talking there about the gritters in Leeds because it's quite cold at the minute, isn't it? Yes. Well, they'll be out and about making sure the roads are not uh, not too slippy. And then Hart, his favourite adult contemporary radio station. Possibly. The Yorkshire version, based in Leeds. And then there's the white emoji there, the black one as well, but ignore that for a minute. Just so, concentrate on the white one. I think that's a come and get me plea. I mean, he does. he's interacted with you before on Twitter, so he, he must kind of want to come. He must be stupid, mustn't he? But uh, we're probably not getting him, are we? Because well, Liverpool and Inter Milan want him. If Liverpool want him, would you be upset and angry? If yes. they got him, sorry. Yes. Why? Because I want him. Yep. <laughs> if they get, they can have him as long as they give us James Milner for free. I don't want James Milner next. I want Rodrigo de Paul now. Well, I do too. But I want them both. If they if they allowed us to have Milner for free as a as a payoff, that'd be all right. Why do you well. want Milner? Midfielder, isn't he? All of ours are terrible. He's quite old now, though. It, it's not consistent with the uh, idea of buying people with future value built into them, like Rafinha or whatever. Milner's coming towards the end of his curve, his journey. Well, that's what I'm saying, get him for free, because then you don't need him to have any value. You can just play him at left-back and centre-midfield at the same time, both positions we struggle with, and then throw him under the pitch when we relay it in summer. He's allowed to just retire and go home. I don't know. Oh, if, <laughs> player, if, very generous. If it's being written into players' contracts now that they have to become soil. You have to be executed at the end of your contract. <laughs> we'll do, give him, give for, him back to the you earth. You have to fertilise we'll, the grass. We'll do you a testimonial for your family and then we'll take you onto the grass and shoot you. We'll just chuck you down the well. <laughs> Why not? Are we going to have to forget Rodrigo de Paul? I, I do feel, I mean, all joking apart, I do feel hugely emotionally invested in him as an individual and I don't know why. Probably just because he tweeted me back. I think mean, he's dead good as well, isn't he? I can't pretend I've been watching... Udinese's games but there have been clips of him and he looks good and his stats are all good and everyone says he's brilliant and so for that reason I do want him but I mean I can't pretend I've, I've followed his career I can't pretend I knew who he was before mm. this season but I want him with all my heart it's, 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 if he moves to Inter Milan I'm fine with that but Liverpool will be tough it'll be a tough watch with that I mean Liverpool well, like, don't want to sound like Liverpool anyway do they? I mean they're, they're only going in one direction at the moment they'll be lucky to stay in the league the way it's going for them um, Jordan Amave let's talk about him Middle name, Kevin. So JKA the second. That's mildly terrifying, isn't it? We never seem to learn. Well, we can just try him, and if we don't like him, not pay for him. That's the way it works with those, isn't it, with the JKAs? Uh, he's the left back at Marseille. Previously, Aston Villa, I don't remember him, but uh, Hadi Sacco will do because he once nutmegged him. I mean, that doesn't bode well, does it? It might have been an accident, though, given it was Hadi Sacco. <laughs> you, never, you never can tell. Probably, he probably meant to cross it and just miss hit it through his legs or something. Mm. Hadi Sacco has been uh, playing this afternoon as we speak. He uh, played the first 70 minutes for Diniz Lespore and rated 6.8. So that's all right, isn't it? That's pretty good. That's good, yeah. Um, Should we get Hadi Sacco back? Well, Jordan Amavi, his, uh, his contract expires in the summer. It doesn't look like he's signing a new one. Biggest achievement while at Villa. We've dug one up there. He got, he got um, well, did he get points for this or not? Got a six-month driving ban for failing to give... Uh, identifying information to the police about who was driving uh, presumably his car so that's good I mean that's a Villa tradition though isn't it a, mo- a motoring offence that's what all the best Villa players have it does make me wonder if he was I mean I've got absolutely no evidence for this but trying to get Jack Grealish out of trouble somehow <laughs> I imagine it's written into players contracts at Aston Villa and I stress imagine because I'm making this up that they have to bail Grealish out of any trouble that he gets into and they have to take it in turns so if his uh, 
if he's late with his council tax, somebody else has to pay it for him. Oh, God, you Just can... whoever's turn it is this time. God, you can tell it's a fallow week for the football, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, nothing's happened this, this week. That's the problem. We've had a new pitch put in and that's... We're not buying anyone. We haven't been, we've not played any games. I mean, the transfer window has become very difficult. Graham Smith did a, a big Q&A feature for the Yorkshire Evening Post at the start of the week in which he said, you know, yeah, we're, we're just not going to sign anybody. Maybe McGurk from Wigan and there was some talk that a Premier League club had had a bid knocked back. But apart from that, nothing for the first team. And then for the rest of the week, the rest of the Evening Post staff have very bravely just carried on tweeting and posting their football transfer rumours linking leads to players here and there when they know the heart must be all Graham's fucking ruined this now, isn't he? Nobody's going to click on that now, are they? Because Bugalugs has said we're not signing anybody. Who are leads being linked with? Don't matter, apparently. Graham says. Ask Danny Mills who we're signing. Kevin Phillips is the other one. He always says his piece on leads. I think because they like using him for these websites because they can say things like Phillips says Leeds must buy striker or something. Um, and That's sneaky, isn't it? Yeah. Kay Phillips in shock Leeds announcement. <laughs> yeah, they quite enjoy leading with those those headlines. And then you you get, I've even got halfway through reading them sometimes and thought, this doesn't sound like something Calvin would say. And then, yeah, there he is. I mean, I don't know exactly how far off Zara Phillips is from the uh, from the throne, but could they draft her in? I mean, I know she's also a Tyndall now. That's her surname. Are you just looking for another Phillips? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wilson Phillips. Yeah. Hold on. There you go. Uh, well, let's talk about something transfer related, and that's Ryan Embenson. We didn't mention this last time out. He came back from Aberdeen. And he's dreadful for Northampton now. Um, he's, he's probably got granite poisoning though, hasn't he, or something? According to them on Twitter, he, he didn't play well. Um, they lost 2-1 to Lincoln on his debut, and he was rubbish. But, you know, it's his first game in ages, isn't it? And it'll take a little bit of time for him to get to know his teammates. And Northampton and all the things it has to offer, like... Shoes. Shoes. Yep. And just shoes. Just shoes. The other shoe. <laughs> I think the Jazz Butcher as well possibly is from Northampton. I don't know what that means. Just trust me. Founded by Pat Fish. Well, Oxford. I'm sure that, I mean, Oxford's near Northampton, isn't it? Not really, no. Oh, well, never mind. Forget I said anything. Alan Carr. He's from Northampton. Faye James Acaster, who has got a bit of Moscow White about him, I would say. Hmm. Uh, Faitoza was in Steps, of course. She was. People like James Acaster, though. He's oh, very yes. popular. That's, That's a crucial difference. Yeah. No, the Jazz Butcher, just for the avoidance of any doubt, is some sort of uh, musical combo from, yeah. from Oxford. Not- and they are in Northampton now. 1996, Fish formed a new band with other Northampton-based musicians. That band was called Sumo Sonic, but um, Northampton adjacent. Toby Anstis. There's a name from the past. Still on heart. Ah, well. Does this make sense with the... Um, the Rodrigo de Paul conspiracy? No, probably no, not. Probably not. I think we're desperately clutching at straws here. Christ. Robbie Gotts has scored a goal, though. He's on loan. Who was it for, though? Well, I know. Exactly. Scum 3.0, I think I got on my down as. Although in um, in his defence, uh, I have been told that the Salford City ground has um, a local brewery, Seven Brothers. Um, they have a shipping container bar and a... a also a shipping container selling curry. It's we've, very we've, good. We've got a shipping container bar at Ellum Road. Is it in the northeast corner and is it not emblazoned with the name Batty? I didn't add Batty on it. I mean, I drive past it on the M621 every time I come here, so I'm going to have to double check this now. I think it is. Just keep your eyes on the road. You mean it's not safe to turn your head 90 degrees away from the carriageway 
and look at what's over there. It's not there. safe to just gaze at football grounds when you're supposed to be driving safely. You're telling me every time you come past Ellen Road, you don't gaze at it longingly? I'm walking, so it's fine. Yeah, it's less hazardous, isn't it? Well, that's great then. Is that all, is that all we've got in terms of the news this week? Ken's big tin shed's being used. That's good. That's now in active, isn't it, in the, the fight against COVID? That's true. And also we did cause alarm bells to ring at the Premier League because the steps in the John Charles stand were too slippy for some of the Premier League stars who were risking injury coming Sorry, from the Sorry, you're going to have to start this story again because your language is not sensationalist enough, isn't it? Or did not the Premier League That's, demanded? They did. Well, that death trap Ellen Road be upgraded. I thought sounding the alarm was uh, enough. I don't know if there was actually a siren going off at Premier League yeah, headquarters. These, these steps are just a bit too slippy. Could you just sort that out? Because there is a Premier League compliance officer who, uh, like they'll watch them train, they'll go to Ellen Road just to make sure that everything's in, in line with the brand, isn't it? Imagine your job is going from ground to ground looking for things that Jack Grealish might slip on. 24 hour a day work. It's a bloody good point, actually, because we haven't played Villa at home yet, have we? So they're going to be it. getting it all sorted. It's in all time in preparation for that, yeah. for that. Every single surface is going to be rubberized and gritted and salted. And, make, and even then, he'll probably still go flying. You've seen those evac chairs that you get to get people down <laughs> who can't move downstairs in a fire. Yeah. Bring Grealish to the pitch on one of those. <laughs> like, like a sedan chair type thing, isn't it? But except less glamorous. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea. That's a point, actually. If we do get everybody COVID vaccinated, just going back to that for a second, talking about health and safety issues, does that mean that all the old people will get back into Ellen Road first? It's a fair point. Why not let them in? West Stand, moaning like fuck. Could bring the rattles, shake them, and it could be old style chanting. Get into them, get after them. That's my favourite from Ellen Road in the 60s, before people were swearing as much as they do now. Get into them, get after them. Oh, actual football, by the way. Yes, we've had fixtures moved. I mean, not a surprise this because everything's still just on the telly, but Everton at home, February 3rd, 7.30, BT Sport. Oh, I hope Jake Humphrey anchors that. <laughs> Big fan of that. Um, Arsenal away, Valentine's Day. It's a Sunday afternoon, isn't it? We're on the Super Sunday. Whoosh. I mean, that's a proper TV slot is Arsenal away, isn't it? That's not um, not one of the newly created nonsense spots where you, you realise there's a game kicking off at six o'clock and a Tuesday and you're like, why are we playing here? It's half an hour late though. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I still get sucked into uh, Sunday afternoons thinking it's going to kick off at four. And then Super got... Sunday does, has moved its slot, hasn't it now? I mm. think permanently. It's not just a one-off for yeah, us. Yeah, it's been like that for ages, but I still Confuses get lulled you. into this. Uh, yeah, I'm banging the side of my television trying to get it on ITV and it's Where's Richard Keys? Elton Wellsby. <laughs> Have you found like with, you know, with having like four games per day sometimes on a Saturday and Sunday that come the evening game, you're like, oh, just had enough. Not watching this one. I don't watch many of them, really, to be honest. I, yeah. tend, to, I tend to watch a highlights package of all of them because I just can't, I can't be asked with no crowd in there. It feels like watching pre-season friendlies and it's fine when it's a Leeds game and you can watch it and be involved, but I have no real interest in watching West Brom against Leicester. I think I said this previously that I've gone back to the radio and it is the perfect medium for our times because you can just have it on in the background while you do more interesting things and then if something happens in the game you'll be aware of it and you'll hear them talk about what happens and then you can sort of make a judgment do I have to go and look on YouTube and see this goal if there even is I mean if it's Liverpool there won't be one because their strikers are terrible but yeah that's been my way otherwise just avoid it's a good point because like you know that to pick a neutral game at random that sticks in the mind from recent times Leicester versus Chelsea which was a great game for the neutral because it involved Frank Lampard's lip wobbling and Chelsea losing. That would have been great in a, in a full ground because you kind of put yourself in the shoes of the fans there thinking we'd be having a great time if this was us. 
Whereas, like you say, it's just that kind of sterile, well, it's happened now, hasn't it? James Madison has done a nice thing or whatever. We're going to be talking about Newcastle, obviously, in a, a moment, but their defeat to Aston Villa was just standard. I mean, that was pretty much, it was always going to be a couple of goals to nothing. And then the, the fan protest around that, Newcastle were playing in Birmingham against the villains and Newcastle's fans were protesting in Newcastle, just putting some flags outside the ground. And it's just, don't really need any of that in my life. <laughs> and uh, that Villa home game that we just mentioned there before, that has been shifted to the 27th of February, 5.30 kickoff on Sky, Matt Finish, non-stick. Oh no, we want, the oppos- we want the opposite of non-stick, don't we? We want very grippy, because non-stick's very slippy. <laughs> Correct, yes. Shit. <laughs> Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, actual football, Newcastle. We've got those uh, in a couple of days. And the reason why we're recording over the weekend, actually, to give this one a bit of a, a bit of shelf life, they're awful. They haven't won in 10 games. They're overdue a win. And, no, they're not. And, and Leeds are next. But this is just the sort of game that gives us the uh, the Leeds United emotional wobbles heading into it, doesn't it? Because Michael's going to be sitting there thinking, well, this is, this is the one where they'll turn it around because Bruce is starting to finally pull his finger out. He's going to put Andy Carroll up front. He's going to put two wingers on. We're going to bang it up to Andy Carroll and they're going to win. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? Well, potentially. I mean, they have been so bad, they might even struggle to get the ball to Andy Carroll is the is the main issue that they will have because, I mean, if, if they do, obviously he will score. But they are awful. Like I, When we played them before, it was it was a scandal, really, that we allowed them to score twice because they don't even try to score whenever I've seen them play. We were just being nice. And I'm pretty sure they've tried that um, actually using Andy Carroll thing and it's not worked. Nothing they do works. They keep trying things. And it's all just a disaster. Yeah, against Aston Villa yesterday, they, they did, did play in that. Yeah, five three two. Callum Wilson and Andy Carroll up front together. Absolutely the same results as before, and that's after against Arsenal. 
they'd done. Steve Bruce just keeps constantly going like, right, I'm going to, you know, bottomed out. We're going to start again. <laughs> new tactics, new plan. And then they just go out and they play in another formation and they lose exactly the same way. He had two false tens in one game. And apparently that was news to the players afterwards. They were they <laughs> they saw his interview when they were like, "Is that what we were supposed to be doing?" I understand a false nine, the concept of a, a number nine, but playing sort of deeper. But what's a false ten? The effect that this has had on whoscored.com is telling. I think it tells uh, you everything you need to know about Newcastle because their strengths there's only two: shooting from direct free kicks, aerial duels, and weaknesses. They're very weak at defending counter-attacks, which is good, and weak at defending against attacks down the wings, and weak at keeping possession of the ball. But the style of play is... It's the shrug emoji, isn't it, well, on whoscored.com? They've basically just had to say everything. There's long balls, they attempt crosses often, they take long shots, play with width, attack down the right, rotate the first 11, they're aggressive, they play the offside trap. Opponents play aggressively against them, playing in their own half. It's everything, literally everything, they just keep trying it. They've had something like 20 different formation changes and they're just, they're determined not to sack Steve Bruce for some reason when all the fans are just absolutely, they're at that point that they always get to where they just want somebody else and they're running out of games to save themselves as well. They're all running around with Spooky Man, Spooky, get Jeff, get Jeff. <laughs> no, no, I'm not bringing Jeff. We've got to sort this out ourselves. Spooky Man. We've uh, we've had quite a deep dive on the extra ball this week, haven't we? About Newcastle, our relationship to them as a club, what they're like as a club. It was good fun chatting about that, and um, we didn't make any Biker Grove references on that, unfortunately enough. But have a listen to that over on uh, on the extra ball if you are a subscriber. If they line up and try and do the same again at St James's Park that they did in December at Ellen Road, what do you think the outcome will be this time? Will it be the same? I think we'll win again, but they probably will try to not do the same. But what will they do? Because it's not really. Oh, he doesn't know. He'll play no. like a. He'll invert the fullbacks and play a. a do you th- a, a... do you genuinely think he's just completely winging it? Like he's he's out of his depth tactically, and he'll just make some changes to make it appear like he knows what he's doing. It's always felt a bit like with Steve Bruce. He's he's kind of just about all right at getting people on a pitch and getting them to have enough of a nice time at work that they'll play and be all right. But then he very quickly seems to reach a level where he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he can get teams, he can get a well-funded team out of the championship. Is what he specialises in, and then I don't think he's ever done anything more than that, has he? What's what's his highest ever finish? Is he finished? Well, what does maybe he, got a twelfth in his in his locker at some point? What but, does he? What does he play? Like is is his, what's his sort of go-to formation? Is it four-four-two or what? He is doesn't it? have one. That's the thing. He keeps just changing. Nine times he has changed formations in the league this season. Apparently, four-two-three-one, four-one-four-one, three-five-two, five-three-one-one. Five four one and five two two one. He seems hell bent on like five at the back at the minute, and I know there's been a bit of. He played four against Arsenal. Yeah, well, I was going to say that. I was going to say there's been a bit of chopping and changing on that recently because he had that whole outburst about right. The players have had too much influence recently. I'm putting my fist down now, and I'm going to change things. As Andy Carroll was tweeting four four f two after a game in November. He was happy to be playing four four two, and then they changed again. So what they're going to do? Lose. <laughs> Lose and get relegated. That is what they need to do. I just looked at the XG table as well. They're third bottom on both XG for and against. So It does genuinely look like they're just not trying to do anything. They belong there. I don't get it. They got Callum Wilson, who's done very well after signing from Bournemouth. He's their top scorer with like six in the league, but he hasn't scored for fucking ages because he's basically just given up. I mean, he's had no supply all season anyway. 
but he was at least, you know, he was finding a way to score goals. But now I think he's just going, well, if nobody's going to fucking give me the ball, I'm not going to bother scoring. And, and that genuinely happens, I think, in football teams. It, people say, well, they're too professional to do that. But you can't help but like have your head go down and your confidence drops and you lose belief in the players behind you when nobody seems to know what's going on. So we don't know what tactics we're playing, which means that we're not like, you know, Bielsa's system, you're drilled into defined roles and, and patterns, scripted, you might say. Whereas with Newcastle, if they don't have a fixed way of playing, does that then play into what Bielsa says about if I keep changing the system, if I don't uh, back myself, then the players are going to start to doubt me. And you wonder if maybe that's true and they doubt Bruce and that they, they can't get behind him and therefore the confidence across the whole squad is shot. Yes. See, Steve Bruce, just imagine Steve Bruce's face telling you to do something. They're bringing in a new coach now as well. There's somebody in from... Is it Gianni Vio? It's not. It's somebody in from Bournemouth, and apparently um, there's some talk about like he's been parachuted in against Steve Bruce's wishes, and they've also... That always goes well, I think, when a club does <laughs> yeah. that. The other thing that's going well is that they're not talking to print uh, journalists before their uh, next game because they're playing in midweek. They're playing us, in fact. <laughs> Which is, it's almost like that's why we're talking about So them. before they play us, <laughs> Steve Bruce is not going to talk to any of the print journalists. He will only talk to broadcast, presumably because he doesn't like what's being written about his team. I think they have to speak to broadcast journalists, don't they? It's part yeah. of the Sky deal. Yeah, so they're, they're minimising. What about bloggers? Because they are neither print nor broadcast. Is he going to speak to bloggers? That's what I want to know. Are you referring to The Athletic? I mean, they're just bloggers, aren't they? Basically. Just overpaid bloggers. <laughs> um, I, don't, I think print media falls under, like online falls under that that heading, so I don't think there'll be any bloggers unless Spuggy's got a live journal and she's going to go and get like his top 10 favourite emo songs. There is a good point, though, about this breakdown in relationship between the media and football clubs. When that starts to happen, and you've seen this is what's happened now with Frank Lampard, you know, he had a, a little bit of a go at uh, Liam Twomey, who's at, at, the, at the Athletic. When that starts to happen, when the managers become sensitive to what's being written about the team, it's always a really good litmus test for things going badly wrong. Teams who are being successful rarely have beef with the press. Do they? That's the thing. It's always fine when people are saying, you've got a good team you have and you're playing well and you're, you're well run and there's never an issue. But as soon as someone criticises a manager, then they start getting the arse on and criticise an owner and whole publications get banned because they don't want, to, they don't want that, that poison or truth being fed to people. Sometimes you go too far. I mean, Alex Ferguson managed to, managed to combine being incredibly successful with never talking to the BBC because they once said something mean about one of his sons, wasn't it? Which was also accurate, I think, yes, wasn't it? mean and accurate. Uh, but Newcastle, they, they're always constantly like this. I did notice the Steve Bruce aspect. I mean, it's hard to say whether it's Steve Bruce has decided he doesn't want to talk to the press or whether it's the, the club have made this decision. But I noticed in some of the stuff that Steve Bruce has complained that some of the criticism about him has been quite personal. And he's always going to say that because it always is. People are always going to say that he looks like fucking Mrs. Doubtfire and be mean about him when he's not winning. That just happens and it's kind of, it's telling that Steve Bruce would go to that so soon where it's like, you know, they can criticise the team, but, the, you know, don't say I look like an old lady because, well, it's going to happen, Steve. Winning is the solution to just, all of these problems. Just give him access to the kids. That's all I say. That's all I need to do. Fix that whole problem up. Then we play Leicester, Christ. Yeah, we're not beating them. Um, yeah, good, aren't we? Although they haven't got Jamie Vardy, which is good. Uh, we should have mentioned, actually, um, Newcastle do have uh, their other, well, we're allowing Wilson to be a good player, aren't we? Their other yeah, good player yeah. is going to be available because he came off the bench yesterday, did 
Alan Saint Maxima. And that's the thing that they've lost him for a while because of the COVID outbreak. But I was I was thinking about this as well that they're kind of using that as a as a means of saying, oh well, we've been quite unlucky with the COVID outbreak. And it's like, were you unlucky, or have you just really badly managed your training ground? Because Leeds, we know, although we're not allowed to know that a couple of the players have had COVID, but there's never been like a rampant outbreak throughout the squad that we know about that, that's taken everybody down and they've not had to close the training ground and send people home and they've been ill for months. We've had Rodrigo was caught from a family member, didn't he? And then we don't know what happened with Melier or, or Roberts, but it's not spread through the rest of the club. Suggests to me that we're quite good in the middle of a pandemic to keep it down to those numbers. Whereas Newcastle, get Jeff. The pandemic's good in. Get Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. For anyone Jeff. who didn't watch Biker Grove. Boogie man, whole... hitty man, pet man, get Jeff. You see that um, Ant and Deck actually bought up all the rights to um, Biker Grove. So they controlled the fact that there's no reruns go out of it. That's why you never see it on any kids' channels. Is that right? Absolutely true, that. Yeah, because I'd love to rewatch Biker Grove because it was a fairly large part of my childhood and my adulthood because I lived up there for five years. I'm going to get tapes and start distributing it on the black market. <laughs> Ant and Deck can't stop that, can they? No. Uh, back to Leicester. And Leicester Forest East, maybe we'll stop there, have a nice little bite to eat on the way to the ground. Who knows? We could visit the nursery that grew our pitch. But we're not winning this one, are we? No. Probably. Highly likely that we'll lose. Hopefully not too heavily. Shit that we have to go into a Premier League match thinking that. But that's how it feels after the 4-1 at Ellen Road. Will we see any possible change of tactics from Bielsa? How will he mitigate against what happened at Ellen Road? He'll try and do it better. Yeah, just stop them from winning we by might have doing run- what you do. We might have Rodrigo de Paul by then. He can play, along with um, our new left-back, Amavi. I just have a feeling Leicester are going to win the league this season, so we'll look back on our results and just go, well, yeah, they won it and it'll be fine. And they've come into, I mean, they're playing right now, in fact, aren't they, against Brentford. Let's just uh, see how they're getting on. 7-0, is it? 6-7? 3-1, they're winning. Well, that's, you know, yeah, we, we did prove that we can score against them. And Brentford have done the same, but unfortunately at the other end they're going to score loads. Because that is their one weakness, having a scum keeper. We'll say this, like, um, Jamie Vardy's out, isn't he? I mean, that's a help. That is nice. They've got Perez who will probably play, or Iheanacho. I mean, they've got other good players. It's more the midfield that worries me with Leicester. Well, midfield struck attacking midfield with people like Barnes and Madison and Tielemans. They're all dead good, aren't they? Yeah, we've discussed Tielemans at length. We won't go down that road again. Yeah, they just seem to have this tactic they're fairly incredible really that they can sell Harry Maguire for all that money but then sort of convince Kashmir Michael and Jamie Vardy just to hang around and be like don't worry this isn't a sign that the team's getting worse we're going to go and buy a load of better players and it works you're absolutely right because I thought just quietly in a low low kind of low level way that Vardy was stupid for not going to Arsenal when he had the chance to but actually been just as successful if not Leicester more more so and doesn't have to you know get involved he doesn't have you know, some I'm sure there's a, a Leicester fan TV channel, but not to the extent of uh, the gentleman who was shouting at Willian, wasn't he? What was he calling him? Lionel, wasn't he? He seems to be, have Thundercats were on his mind. <laughs> Lionel! Mind you, did you see the uh, the revenue that Arsenal fan TV are turning out? Was it 1.2 million a year? It's about what we're on, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Turkish Lira, as the old joke goes, yeah, and all that. Yeah, that's a lot of money. We're going to have to start doing that, aren't we, being twats? Well, uh, some we're going to have, have to drop this sense. Some people will argue we wouldn't have to start. Well, we just you, need to be more successful twats. Well, you're undermining my, my joke. Oh, so, okay, so, sorry. So thanks for that's two in one show now, you twat. Um, I was just going to say, rather than these well-thought-out, considered opinions we have at the minute, 
anyway. But Jamie Vardy's a good striker. I'm going to share an opinion because I'm just looking at their, uh, looking through the Brentford Leicester game that's been going on today, looking at their bench because the app I've got crops squad photos in a circle. Hamza Chowdhury's is really pleasing because his hair completely fills it. Some of that. Oh, that's wonderful. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, there's some insight for you. Look at Hamza Chowdhury on FOTMOB and you'll have a nice time. <laughs> well, if you want some actual analysis, whoscored.com... Oh, I can feel the money rolling in, Michael. <laughs> whoscored.com do tell us that they're very strong at finishing st- scoring chances and at stealing the ball from the opposition. Uh, they're only strong at attacking down the wings, creating long shot opportunities, creating chances using through balls and creating chances using individual skill and at protecting the lead. They do have weaknesses, avoiding offside. Oh. So if we play a flat back four, Minimal. that will help. Um, they're also weak at aerial duels. We're noted for our aerial prowess. And they're weak at defending set pieces. Noted so, for our set piece prowess as well. Well, we never, I mean, we're going to have, uh, hopefully, touch wood, Llorente is going to step in. I don't know if we bother against Newcastle. Might as well rest him, just play Leaf Davis. Doesn't matter, we're winning. Um, <laughs> but then he can have a go against... Leicester, and he might be able to do something against Johnny Evans and there is um there the is a, a genuine point here though, and it'll be an interesting measure of our progress how we get on in this game versus the first game where we were taught a lesson by a premier a decent Premier League side, a very good Premier League side actually I should say. Whereas if we can get out of this one with something better, even if it's a slightly smaller defeat, I, got, I hate thinking like this. I we hate were, it, but we have to, don't don't we? We were kind of all right in that first game though, like I. Losing to Palace afterwards felt worse because that was against a team that I know are not particularly good, even though they have one or two good players. But Leicester are a good side and have been for quite a while. And we were in that game and we we could have scored more. There was a dodgy penalty at the end. It kind of it felt like the scoreline was added to a point. Was it Pablo missed a chance? Hey, mind you, we should have been we should have been one up against Leicester, shouldn't we? Because Bamford missed that chance. Or were we offside? What happened? Did you mean against Leicester? Yeah, yeah, I did yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a chance in the opening minute against Leicester, didn't we? And then they went up the other end and scored. That's yeah. right. Correct. But Leicester have beaten everybody. I mean, they've beaten... Um, Got to lose sometime, haven't they? They've beaten Man Well, they've beaten all the good teams, haven't they? Man City and um, they drew with Scum. Lost to Leicester, but... Uh, lost to Leicester. Lost to Liverpool. Have they played them again? I mean, they've just, they've just beaten Chelsea and Southampton, who yeah. are both quite good as well. Beaten so. Spurs. All right, then. So what do we get out of these two games? Three points? Mm. Three points is absolutely lovely. Yeah, that'll do nicely. We need to not do the Brighton thing against Newcastle because in an ideal world we'd have beaten Brighton and then it would make losing to Chelsea well it's fine it's the we're not playing Chelsea Leicester and it'd be the ordinary uh, way of the world Brighton kind of disrupted that a little bit so we need to make sure we don't let Newcastle do the same but they're not gonna they're fucking rubbish <laughs> but if we beat Newcastle it does then take the pressure off somewhat for the game against Leicester where we can I mean I know, I know people hate the use of the term free hit but we have to treat these games like this in this first season back against the top sides, don't we? That it's it's basically expected that we're going to lose, but if we get anything more than that, then it's good. Averaging a point per game from here from here on in is absolutely fine. Just got to remember that. If it's a free hit, is it Marcelo Bielsa gets to punch Brendan Rodgers? Hope so. As we head into 2021, time to get your affairs in order with Levi Solicitors. Um, get yourself a will sorted out ASAP. And one of the things we mentioned last week, actually, making lasting power of attorney. If you didn't hear it last week, quick reminder of that message. It gets all the things sorted out for you in terms of future planning. 
if you are ill, injured, or become unable to make decisions for yourself. Essentially, you nominate a person to be your lasting power of attorney, and they can then make decisions about your money and your health and your welfare. Difficult conversations to have with loved ones always are, but the peace of mind that you get from sorting all this stuff out is really, really good. So get in touch with Levi Solicitors and secure yourself that 10% discount at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Final part of the show now, heroes and villains first, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. People, what done bad for us this week in the last seven days? Who would you like to nominate? Man City. That was that was rude of them, wasn't it? Mm, they were going to take a lot of the flack off Crawley being this year's FA Cup story, weren't they? But were we 10 minutes away from uh, our shame being diminished? Yeah, and they didn't even draw, did they? They won 3-1, made it look comfortable. There wasn't even, oh, well, it's, they pushed them. Well, it goes through extra time this year, actually, doesn't it? There was no even like, oh, well, they pushed them all the way. No, they just lost 3-1 in the end. I mean, we should nominate Cheltenham as well for being shit. Why, do, why can't you beat Man City? Pathetic. Stick to having a race course. That game was a great example of what I was talking about. Just have it on the radio in the background because then you're not getting too invested in the fact that Cheltenham are in absolutely no way going to win that match. It was inevitable that the uh, the final 10 minutes would have that turnaround. And um, it was fine. It was like it was just happening somewhere else to other people. Have Crawley played Bournemouth yet? No, they play him on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, in the week at some point. I don't know why. Presumably Mark Wright's schedule clashes with or something. Was it the... Um, Covid thing? Did they have to move it because of their coronavirus outbreak? Ah, that was right. Yes, which which God um, gave to them after beating Leeds United, I believe. Truth. Uh, yeah, I've just checked the fixtures. It's on on Tuesday at seven pm, about the same time we're playing Newcastle. I know who I'd rather be playing, don't you? True enough. And that's Newcastle United in the Premier League. What about Norwich? Would you like to be playing Norwich at any time? Uh, we probably, ever again? We probably will be next season, won't we? All things being equal. If only so we can hear from Daniel Farker more, who's my new favourite person who appears on this podcast. Have we had uh, Daniel Farker's explanation for what Norwich attempted to do to the tunnel outside the dressing room corridor in Barnsley's Oakwell, although it does kind of look like a, a secondary school? It does, doesn't it? You're right. Yeah. Like like there's an art project or 10 on the wall. We should explain, if you haven't seen this yet, somebody caught wind of the, of the socials from the Norwich City kit team. And what they tend to do, and apparently... For the, uh, for the sake of honesty, we should say they've been doing this for about three years now, is they go in and you know how football grounds tend to have breeze block walls that are painted and look quite spartan. They go in there and they put up like picture boards on the walls, must just like blue tack them on or whatever, with Norwich City crests underneath along the walls, probably to make it feel a little bit more homely. They've been at it for about three years, but it's come to everyone's attention due to a social media post this last weekend. And the result of this one, it was uh, Barnsley won Norwich nil. And it, it looks like a uh, like a ten year old Norwich fan's bedroom. Pathetic, isn't it? Have you been in many ten year old Norwich <laughs> fans' bedrooms? It looks like it looks like Jake Humphrey's bedroom. <laughs> I bet he loves this. Have you been in Jake Humphrey's bedroom? Not that I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> it was all all cleared up out of court. Um, yeah, this is pathetic, isn't it? Has Does, has, Daniel, Norwich... uh, has Daniel Farker explained? Has he addressed this at all? No problem. It's just a It's a little trap nose in town, and that's what will. 
but it would be so lovely if we could spruce the place up and maybe put a few posters up and one even maybe one of me there I look I look very handsome with my beard on the side and it it, <laughs> it really helped to inspire the players. I, I take it for the dressing room always my own little I make my own little soaps and I, I hand them out to all the players and, and they're always so pleased to get them and, and then they go out and say, see all the pictures and they're like, Oh my god, this weren't here before and now now look, that's us that's us beating Bournemouth the other weekend. You've got it on a put put print it out of the picture on your printer. That's so clever. Thank you for putting it on the wall. I love it. But you lost one nil, Daniel. How do you explain that? It wasn't fair. <laughs> Very good. I look forward to hearing more from Farker, assuming he stays just, around. It's just so Norwich, isn't it? It's like the pink dressing room that we kind of got involved in that little ding dong about, isn't it? Shit. It, it wasn't make, even it made, a ding dong. It's just one of those things where you think, oh, tiresome bollocks. Oh, Norwich. It makes zero difference at all. As Bielsa would tell you, he would just sit in, in a press conference if asked about this and say, it makes no difference on the outcome. Do you want to know my lineup? I think I prefer Frank Lampard to come and shit in the dressing room again than have Norwich do this well. <laughs> Christ, what an image. Well played anyway to Alex Mowat and the rest of the ex-Leeds crew down at Barnsley for not getting involved in allowing that nonsense to continue in the FA Cup. They beat them as they should and Mowat could be on the move. All the um, There is transfer rumours about him, but apparently it's not going to be this January. He's letting his contract run down so he can get a big Bosman to a, a bigger club, Millwall was supposed to be in for him. I don't know how that Ooh, works because no. Barnsley are 12th and Millwall are 16th. But yeah, I mean, maybe we need a midfielder if Rodrigo de Paul's not available and we've got the, the budget just to put it into his wages, make Alex uh, old MC freestyle, give him a, a tempting offer to come to Leeds. I'd say maybe that scene's a bit bit better in London than Barnsley. Who wants to get nearer the action for, that, for the freestyling? Talking about midfielders, ex-Leeds midfielders, Ben White, unfortunately had his Spotify playlists on public and there was one called Sex, uh, which is obviously his, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's when he goes out, you know, and they have to sex farm animals. And I don't mean like in a, in that way. I mean, that when they're saying, if that's a boy, that's a girl. That's what Stroud. <laughs> Sexing farm animals. Maybe that's what he does it for when he's out in the fields with the lambs. Playing Jeremy in the barn. That's what, is that a song, is it? That's one, well, it's an, uh, an artiste. Uh, one of the, the tracks on his playlist was Birthday Sex by... Jeremy. Oh, come on. That's so bloody contrived, isn't it? He also it? had All the Time by Jeremy. So I think he's a big fan of Did he have Jeremy? Uh, when you did said All the Time, then I was thinking Louis Armstrong. I thought that'd be quite an odd pace. Did he have uh, So Solid Crew 21 Seconds on there? He did not. He had Earned It by The Wickened. Um, we Are Young by Kyle Edwards. Uh, I Need a Doctor by Dr. <laughs> Dre and Eminem. Love the Way You Lie by Eminem and Rihanna. Um, I Don't Mind featuring Juicy J by Usher and Juicy J and Me and You by Cassie. That's among them. I think there's, uh, I don't know. How many songs is that? Well, it's only a screenshot of part of the playlist. Part of? How many is that though? That was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight songs. 24, 25 minutes if we round it up. I mean, he's nominated for villainy here because of the mental image it leaves us with and sort of the length of his... The running time, <laughs> rather, the running time of his playlist is is getting us into the territory of um, Sting and his tantric sex. And the person who once uh, suggested to me that it it wasn't like a meditation thing; it was just he was really crap at shagging his wife. <laughs> Sting kept going for like forty eight hours. It was a Scotsman who uh, said this to me: "Just imagine him banging away at you hour after hour." <laughs> And that wasn't even with uh, Lil Wayne rapping in the background. So you remember Ben White looked 
pretty bilious and wasn't really into it when he first arrived at Leeds. Remember, remember he, the story went round that he was kind of like, what the hell's going on here with Bielsa's early training? And we saw the stamina that they built up over the season. And obviously they had a big break in the middle, as Karen Carney would tell you, that helped us uh, to get promoted and win the league. So it paid off if he's, you know, as, if, if that's only part of the playlist, then you're knocking on for half an hour. Uh, play. Has Bielsa got hold of the tapes to review it? <laughs> Who's getting it? <laughs> well, Ben White's girlfriend, apparently. <laughs> Oh, come on. Well, he's, the playlist is gone now, hasn't it? Or it's not public, at least. So yeah, well, I just... mean, no, he shut down considerably. First, the uh, the playlist disappeared from the public list. Then, um, because his, he was found, because his profile picture was a picture of him with his name underneath. And now there is no avatar there. There's no profile photo. And it just says B. person just kept checking on there. Credit to the, the person on Twitter who found this. I, I can't remember his name, but I do remember that their avatar is the very good photo of Thomas Christensen as Jesus. And I was delighted to see that they were still rocking that because it was uh, a great tribute to him. So thank you, the person who found that. But yeah, they kept checking on the same profile and you could see the identifying features gradually um, <laughs> disappear, being removed. So it is now just B. Did we give this to Ben White last week? We might have done, you know. Is it going to be a, a retaining of the crown if we give it to Ben White? I mean, it's all right when he was beating us with Brighton, but we didn't need him to make it sexy. Twice in a row, though. Can he keep it up? Probably. Right, let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero of the Week Award. Uh, I mentioned it before, Liam Twomey actually of The Athletic for uh, for sticking the knife in on uh, on Frank Lampard, who he's cracking, isn't he? He's cracking his young Frank. He didn't even really stick the knife in. He just said, in the middle of a very bad run that they're on, he just sort of said, you know, with confidence low and stuff around the ground, some players are struggling. Is it good to have Petr Cech around? Because the two of you... You've won trophies, you've been here through times of success. The question could have been anything. The question <laughs> could have been, you know, isn't it brilliant being Harry Redknapp's nephew? It didn't matter what he was asking because as soon as... Isn't it great that Uncle Harry got you the derby job with a phone call? Because as soon as Liam Twomey started speaking, you could see in Lampard's face that he was just going to disregard the question and just go straight in with, I'm just going to attack you. And confidence was the word he was able to pick up, up on. But then when he was like, well, the players' confidence would be shot if they were to read some of the things you write. <laughs> I mean, nothing to do with anything that had been asked. Total non-secretive. And so that's why you knew it was prepared, especially because of how long it went on with. And, you know, all the stuff with the confirmation bias, which I, I assume somebody has, has told him. Get him about confirmation bias. What, what does that, that mean? mean? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just say it a few times. Because he, he did keep using it as if it was the word he'd used that week. What was, uh, the, context? That week, what, what was the context of it? Because I can't remember. I haven't seen the clip for a bit. He was just saying that he thinks that when Chelsea lose, he's mean about them. And when they win, you weren't saying nice things then, were you? And and it's it's you're a social media pundit. You're just trying to get reaction because uh, of, of, of the like this that I'm giving you. <laughs> you're just trying to get yourself known because you're upsetting Frank Lampard and you've not you've failed if you're trying to upset Frank Lampard and get me to answer a question about this talking about you instead then you've failed <laughs> Liam so just know that um, Jacob Steinberg in The Guardian did an article had the headline the job looks too big for him I wonder how he'll feel about that is, is that Jacob Steinberg just trying to uh, make a name for himself uh, I mean probably yeah That's this is the thing with Lampard he's, he's talking about confirmation bias and about how um he thinks there's like a some almost a conspiracy against him here and that he sees it when it's against him. When things are going for him, he doesn't see any of that, does he? He thinks that everything anything good for Frank Lampard 
he thinks is richly deserved and earned and thinks something he he well and truly deserves. That's why I like it's it's the entitlement. It sort of signposts underneath anything bad that happens to Frank Lampard. Oh dear, what a, what an absolute tragedy! What a, what a dreadful set of circumstances have conspired to mean that something bad happens to Frank Lampard. It has been great watching this uh, gradually start to unravel. And who was the writer of the article? I think it was also in The Guardian who suggested that it was mean of people to revel in Lampard's failures. No, this is the point of football. This is the point of football, isn't it? If you think about it, it's better for us that he stays in that job because it'll mean they're not as good for longer. Whereas actually, it'll also be dead funny when he does get sacked because the job was far, far too big for him and, and it taps into all that stuff about his family connections and his entitlement and his privilege and blah, 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 all that stuff. And that's why people want him to fail. I know it's a very specifically British, if not English, trait, wanting people to fail. So, you know. Mm, wanting Frank Lampard to fail. Well, exactly. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's absolutely fine. And he's he's kind of taking over from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I did notice that Solskjaer was, you know, he's been backpedalling a bit on their good form. Where he keeps saying, we're not that good. I know we're top of the league, but please, I'm, not, I'm going to redo that accent. <laughs> that's about right, in fairness. It's all over the place, Solskjaer, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's Norwegian mank. I'm, I'm immediately remembering Jan Molby as well, whose Danish scouse was brilliant from the 1980s. Um, but he seems desperate not for for anybody to um, suggest he's doing a good job because I think he knows that it's just going to, you know, take a dive soon and they'll be scr- struggling to get into the Europa League and all this stuff now where the top of the league will be completely different. Him and Lampard duking it out for eighth place is what I want at the end of this season. Lampard's not even persevering with the, the giggle have a little joke at the start of a question. And then go serious. He then go serious anymore, is he? He's just straight into fucking Twomey. It's hard to say because <laughs> the, the fun thing about Solskjaer has been keeping him in the job because you know he's ruining them. With Lampard, I don't want to see him sacked at the earliest opportunity just so he's always got that on his CV because if he lasts into next season, for example, he'll be able to say, well, yeah, I was Chelsea manager for 18 months. I think if you look at the record, I was very successful and it won't matter that the record says he was an absolute shit, but he will have that. Whereas if he's sacked halfway through his first season, there's nothing there he can say. He can't pretend he was good at it. You've been handed your ass there, haven't you? Mm, yeah. So I'm really hoping. Uh, it's about the CV. Yeah. That, that Just a reminder, that is Frank Lampard, who recently was quoted as saying that he doesn't have time to read media opinions. And obviously they're not getting to him. You're not getting to me. I but mean, he, it, he has, it has been there 18 months already. He does have. Oh, is this his second season? Of course it is. Well, all right. But even still... I don't have time to keep track of what no, Frank Lampard's doing. No, but you're doing. right, though, because the first season... I'm not right, I'm bang wrong. No, 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 no you're right <laughs> to, an ext- to an extent. I'm trying to back you here, Moscow. In that no, it's the, not worth it. No, but the first season, he had them finishing slightly lower than Sarri, and he also had the transfer ban as well, so mm. he always had that to fall back on. So no, we did a good job in the face of this, and this is actually his first proper season where he's just... You know, spunked a load of money on. Lord, it says, judge me on how I perform this season, and yeah. then halfway through, he's like, "No, don't judge me. How dare you write things judging me?" Young side, going to take time. Going to take time. Uh, who else do you want to nominate for hero ship? Pat Bamford, probably winning it this week. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Has anyone else given five grand of iPads to a school? Do you know what really annoyed me? The, the two things that annoyed me in the wake of this. Number one, people saying oh, he's just doing it for the attention. Like, he's not. He did this privately, and it came to everybody's attention afterwards. Because he'd recorded that video that was sent to all the kids who got all these iPads, just like a good luck, you know, keep at it message, you know, inspirational stuff. Thinking, well, he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. He's done something genuinely good, uh, something altruistic, 
and sent them a message, all of which is absolutely fantastic. And then someone's saying, oh, well, you're only doing it to raise your profile. He's a fucking Premier League footballer. He doesn't need it. He doesn't give a shit. He's just doing something genuinely nice. What I will say, though, iPads, a bit dear, aren't they? Five grand and they only bought, what was it, 20 of them? Yeah, could have got, what's wrong with a cheap, get him a nice Android one, nice K- cheap one. Kindle Fire. Kindle Fire for the kids. <laughs> well, there's got to be a, somebody in a pub can do him a better deal than 20 iPads for five grand. The three legs is probably still open. <laughs> but the whole publicity thing is, uh, is sort of symbiotic because people want the publicity for their cause when a footballer does something like this. It's nice. He was with them. Barry Douglas was... Uh, anonymously coordinating the players' responses to the Leeds fans' food bank, taking the stuff down there and saying, look, keep this on the down low. But it helped them, and they eventually convinced them, like, look, can we have a photo of you bringing this? Because if we can say to people that Barry Douglas is helping us with this, it means more people are likely to give us attention and more likely to help us. But then Barry Douglas then has to put up with what Pat Bamford puts up with. People say, oh, he's only doing it for the fucking attention. It's like, well, it's what comes with being in the public eye, if you're going to do something nice, it also then to capitalise on it, to make the most of the niceness does include lending, in this case, his uh, heartbreaking face to the <laughs> to the cause. It's why we don't talk about our charity work too much, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, we don't want people thinking we're raising money for, for the Leeds Fans Food Bank, for yeah. example. Well, with, Leeds with Children's Hospital. Leeds Children's Hospital, or the, the, uh, the cancer. Leeds Cares, Leeds, yeah, we're Leeds Cares the, cancer. the cancer ward, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I mean, it's why we don't talk about it too much. Oh, no. The other thing that really pissed me off was... Um, People were complaining that he earns about, what you know, let's say 40 grand a week for argument's sake, if he's had a pay rise since we've gone up. Five grand? He earns a fortune. That's not enough. It's like, Christ, he's just given up five. I don't have five grand to give to kids and to have iPads. He could have just kept it. That's the thing, isn't it? And those people who are complaining, they can say, oh, it's only a, a small percentage of his salary. Well, what, what percentage of your salary have you given to charity this week? Well, none, but... That's not the point. But he should have given all of it. And... It's probably enough. I mean, there's no point in giving Beeston Primary enough money to buy 5,000 iPads if they've only got 20 kids that need them. Get them a Tesla each. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's meeting a need here. So it doesn't matter how much you spent on it. Dreadful social media thing of everybody has to have an opinion on everything that happens. It's like, shut the fuck up. Sovereign ring for every child in Leeds. (laughs) (laughs) That is a, a. what is it? A throwback to this week's extra ball quiz where we looked at nineteen uh, nineties. It, it was a signet ring, actually, Sign, wasn't yeah. it? As opposed to sovereign ring. We were looking one of each. Very two hands, aren't they? Five yeah, exactly. fingers. We were looking at items from the the catalogue uh, in the mid nineties that you could get with the Legion United program buying you know, branded merchandise, and you could buy a, a child's signet ring for. Well, I won't tell you how much it was because that was part of the quiz, but still, too much bloody money. Yes, if you're playing along at home, then uh, don't look at the answers. And also in his video, he was giving them. Just a nice little pep talk as well, saying, I know it's difficult, make sure you... He did kind of look as if he needed the pep talk more than them, though, didn't he? <laughs> he like, I know it's difficult. Trying to go, I mean, kids are quite confident. And with Bamford, we know he, he trades on his confidence and he, he seems to... Um, well, I'm sure he said himself that when he... he the, the confidence that Bielsa gives him as a striker, I did kind of feel like, well, the seven-year-olds was going to be... Is he all right? Should we send him one back saying... <laughs> You don't have to worry, Pat. We're fine. Are you okay? <laughs> he's he's like I, I listening to him on the official podcast as well. He's got that kind of voice of a. He always reminds me of the kid at school that knows the answers but doesn't want to be made to say them. So like when nobody else puts the hand up and he's kind of oh right. Well, I think the answer is the answer Paris. 
and he knows damn well that the answer is Paris. Oh, well done, Paris. Oh, yeah, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be right. I think maybe Sorry. unlike some footballers, he's fairly intelligent, and therefore he's a bit full of self doubt at times in the way that a lot of people tend not to be in who are in football because they've just had to go through going. No, I am the best. That's how I get to this position. Although the um, the intelligence argument, um, I've not listened to the latest episode of the um, official podcast, but apparently I have been told that it does include him showing a distinct lack of interest in his house being burgled after having left the outside doors open. <laughs> oh. I didn't want bothered. Michaela had to go and just fix everything. And I mean, if you've seen Duke Bamford, the dog, I'm not sure he's a particularly effective um, Michaela, shotguns dog. in the cupboard. you you got to take it The out. man in the gatehouse should have really stopped him. Yeah, he, uh, he slept through the burglar alarm going off and Michaela had to go and um, sort it out. And they, when they checked CCTV, one of the outside doors was wide open and they both said they'd locked it. But I, I expect probably... <laughs> Best wishes to Patrick and Michaela for, I hope you've recovered because it's not nice being burgled. But I mean, if the man, well, they weren't actually burgled. I think the alarm just went off because the doors were opened, but. You um, never feel more alive than when your burglar alarm goes off and you you go into like a panic mode. He slept through it is the point. I mean, if we sometimes wonder if he looks a bit dozy on the pitch, the man can sleep through a burglar (laughs) alarm. (laughs) Bloody hell, they must be tiring him out. Must be Elsa. He's he's the hero of the week then, is he? I mean, there's no one else's that we can't really give. Robbie got a nomination for scoring the, for scum, can we? The ground staff. Have you seen the state that picture's in? <laughs> Let's see how it does against Everton. I mean, if um, all our players break their ankles on it immediately, then then no. So we'll I mean, impressive we'll that. that they think they can make that work in a couple of weeks because I think we probably all saw the pictures of it being half dug up on Twitter and went, oh, that looks... Uh, gone for it. That looks quite drastic. Really gone for it, haven't they? Mm. You couldn't so, play on that right now, could you? If, if it's looking like that. Not... I mean, Oldham played on a pitch not dissimilar, <laughs> didn't they, for a number of years, but... Um, Technology's moved on. Let's hope so. Yeah. We'll see how that looks then. So, uh, well done, Pat Bamford. And um, if you want to listen to the extra ball, where we talk about uh, Newcastle at length, and we have that quiz of the mid-90s items and how much they cost, it, it's better than it than it sounds. It's not. That's over on the extra ball, and you can get all our podcasts ad-free with early access to the match ball on TSB+, Plus, our subscription package. Uh, you get full digital access to the magazine and a daily email from Moscow as well that tells you everything that's going on in Leeds United World. So if you haven't had time to doom scroll all day when you're sat at home in your slacks, then just wait for the email that arrives every evening from Moscow. Thesquareball.net forward slash plus. We'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.